I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. On this episode, I talked to Jacob Galligan. Jacob is a grad student at Kent State University in Akron, Ohio. He went on the mission team to Akron in 2016 as a freshman at the university there. He started reaching out, and then his senior year became the self-supporting ministry intern for the church. The campus ministry has grown, and they've converted a ton of men. They've done an amazing job. I met him at the recent CLIMB Small Church Leadership Conference and was very impressed. People were talking about this young man who's 23, who's doing such a great job as a student intern leading his campus ministry. You'll find out his secret. He talks a lot about prayer, talks about his outreach. He talks about what he's done and what he believes campus ministries need to grow. All this and more on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Last December, I went to the CLIMB Small Church Leadership Conference and had a great time with small church leaders, campus leaders, people who want to do missionary work. And one of the things that kept popping up is people were mentioning a young guy from Ohio who is really cranking his campus ministry. Several people mentioned it to me, and they said his name was Jacob. And so I contacted Jacob. I didn't get a chance to talk to him during the conference itself, but fo- followed up with him afterwards and said, hey, let's talk about it. And it's really impressive because he's grown his campus ministry as a student. He's a grad student now. He uh, finished undergrad, but he's led the campus ministry while he's gone to school They've converted a bunch of men, and the ministry has grown consistently over the course of COVID. Jacob, welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Good to be here. How did you become a Christian? Uh, yeah, so um, I, beca- I was a kingdom kid. I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, my parents were both uh, converted there in Cincinnati. My dad was... Uh, became a disciple in the Miami University ministry, um, and he he became a disciple young. And then my mom, uh, you know, became a disciple. They met there at some point. So, you know, I grew up in the church, but as this the church letter kind of came out in around 2003 or so, my parents uh, got divorced, and um, my mom didn't want to be a part of the church anymore, and so she split up. And so I kind of was raised with both parents, but my dad kept us going to church. And so he, he stayed a part of the church and he kept us going. So I had that. Um, I wasn't someone that was, you know, wanting or desiring or really cared, you know, much for God growing up. I kind of didn't really, you know, wasn't too interested in it. And I was you know, already diagnosed with ADHD at a young age. So I very hard for me to focus and read, you know, if it wasn't, you know, something I had to do. So 
that was kind of just, you know, how it went for me growing up. And then I just didn't really know much of the Bible, honestly, until I came into the, the teen ministry. I really, the most exposure I got was at church camps. And uh, I knew God was important. I knew it was something, you know, a lot of people got baptized and I knew that was important, but I didn't really know what any of this was about. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what it really looked like. I just, I knew I wasn't a Christian. <laughs> I knew that for, I knew that for sure. So um, around my uh, ninth grade year, when I went to teen camp, it was my first teen camp. And it was just really powerful. It, it really impacted me. The lessons were super powerful. And I just, I really was like, man, this, this seems like what I want. I really want to know Jesus. I want to know these this, this man that these people are so in love with, that, that they get so much purpose and zeal and just excitement out of. I was like, this, there has to be more to life than what I'm, you know, living because, you know, I, my life was just run by impurity, just selfishness, just all these things. And I just felt like a slave, you know, I just felt so ashamed just so like, you know, to myself and just, you know, I had just struggled with so much self-esteem and things. And so I just had a very low view of myself and just really thought only my parents could love me, you know, and I, it was just, and then when I saw God and when I saw him in the scriptures, when I saw who he was, um, it was just amazing. Like after that teen camp, I was still very shy. So I didn't ask anyone to study the Bible and no one really approached me. So I kind of just did my own thing my freshman year. And then someone finally asked me, um, I studied the Bible. Um, my teen leader, Chase McIntosh, he really helped me to see uh, who Jesus was. And um, I just, I just kind of fell in love. I just started reading the scriptures like like I'd never read before, like I'd really never picked up the Bible on my own and really see what it said. And so I read through, you know, the Gospels, I read through all this stuff, went through the Bible studies. And it was just amazing. You know, obviously, I was only 14 years old. So there's a lot I still had to learn. I had a lot of immaturity, a lot of I just didn't understand grace very well. Um, but that's, that was a lot of how I became a Christian. And it just it transformed my whole life. And you know, I had to cut off certain friendships, certain things, you know, I just really was like, man, this is, I got to be all in with this. I was just, because I, I didn't really have all the knowledge or whatever. I know the right answers. I was just like, why would I be trying to fake this? You know? So I just wanted to be either all in or, you know, not. And so um, that was kind of just it from a young age. And that's uh, kind of how I kind of became a Christian. How old are you now? 23. 23. Okay. So you became a Christian about nine years ago. Mm -hmm. How did you end up in Akron, Ohio? You raised in Cincinnati. How'd you mm -hmm. get to Akron? Yeah, it's a funny story. Um, so, you know, as I kind of went through the years, I had my struggles and my faith around my junior year of high school. I wasn't doing so well, just not very committed, not very devoted, really just kind of feeling stuck not really feeling connected to God. And they were talking a lot about this Akron mission team. They're saying, oh, if you're going to be graduating in 2016, you should really think about going on this Akron mission team. And I was like, I do not want to go. I was like, I'm going to stay in Cincinnati. I'm, uh, I just don't want to go. I was like, what is up there? I was like, uh, it just sounds hard and difficult. And I just, you know, not in a spiritual mindset. <laughs> so um, I just really wasn't thinking about, what God wanted, you know, I was just kind of like, Oh, Cincinnati, so I'll just go here, you know, 
do a whatever an accounting degree or something I don't know I was just thinking very simple very comfortable and then kind of around my senior year God really started just really I mean he was trying to get to me the whole time but I really started just humbling me it really started helping me see like man how amazing he really was I think it was a time when I just was reading the Bible and I read Luke 9 uh, where it talks about denying yourself and carrying the cross and being someone that spreads his word. And I just was feeling so ashamed that I wasn't doing that. And I really was feeling like I wasn't giving my all, wasn't making every effort, really wasn't in love with God. And I just really, after that moment, I was like, God, I just, I want this to be real. I want, I want everything that you have, you know? And I just was like, I want to go all in. So that was near the beginning of my senior year. And then as they kind of started talking more about it, Doug Lambert would talk a lot about the Akron planning. He was, you know, pushing for it. They would do, you know, come to, they'd have our church leader now who's Rob, they had him come and he did a lesson on it, you know, you know, trying to recruit people. And uh, I was already all in at that point, but just once I had that kind of shift of mind and that real, I think, repentance, honestly, where I kind of started living from God's love instead of out of fear and just kind of doing it, you know, out of just knowing this is what I should do. And that's when it really shifted for me. I really was like, I just want to do whatever, whatever God wants me to do. And I was like, I'll go to a hard place. I'll go somewhere where it's hard, you know? And uh, so kind of from then I was just like, I want to go to Akron. And then one of my good friends who has lived in Cleveland, he was saying, I'm going to go to Kent state. And I was like, where is that? What is that? I was like, where is that? And so I didn't even know Kent State existed, which is where <laughs> I go now. And uh, so I originally was thinking, I'm just going to go to Akron University or University of Akron, whatever. And, uh, and then I found out about Kent and we, we kind of decided to go together. Me and my one of my really good friends, we were both the same year. So we ended up dorming together and just going to help plan it at the same time. So... So that was a new church planting in 2016? Yeah, like right when I got there, it was like a month in, basically. They just had their like kind of first couple park services. There was no church there or were there disciples there prior to that? So it's right, it's close to Cleveland. It can be an hour to 40 minutes to an hour away from Cleveland. So there was a couple of disciples near in the area, but it wasn't like there was a house church there or anything. I think the disciples all just went to Cleveland if they lived in that area. Okay. And Rob Cochran was the mission leader? Yep. Okay. Fantastic. Now, I just have got to ask because Akron is a home of a very famous person. And yep. I've just got to ask you, have you ever spotted LeBron James while you're, while you're there in Akron? <laughs> Um, well, if you count going to a Cavs game and being in the nosebleed seats and seeing them uh, from there, I have spotted him. Um, but, uh, I guess I vicariously saw him through someone else. Um, I studied the Bible with this guy right before COVID hit. It was actually right before everything closed down. And he actually worked as part of his internship or something at the I promise school that LeBron started. And so he actually told me he saw him a couple of times and like was right next to him or got to like, I don't know, shake his hand or something. I don't know what he got to do, but he told me about some of those things. So he started a school here in Akron for kids that are underprivileged youth that, um, you know, don't have whatever. And he kind of uh, funded all of that. So LeBron started that and he, the guy I studied with told me about that whole 
program and what it was like working there. So that was pretty cool, but that's pretty much all. I never got to actually meet him or do any of that stuff. <laughs> that's awesome. Just had <laughs> yeah. to ask. Now yeah. you're, you're a grad student at Kent State. So you finished your undergrad, you're in grad school now. Kent State is very famous in the, in the States for something mm-hmm. that happened in 1970. Can you share what, what, what made it famous? Yeah, so it's famous for not a such a great event. Um, it's in the May 4th, 1970. It's if you go on campus, you'll see it everywhere. But they have all these memorials and stuff. Essentially, the I'm pretty sure it was the Vietnam War was going on, um, or one of them. I'm pretty sure it was that one. And the National Guard was, you know, that everyone was protesting. Everyone was like, no, we don't want this. Stop the war, all of that. And uh, the National Guard was sent on campus. And then, you know, through some kind of miscommunication or mishearing of words, I think they thought someone said fire and into an open crowd where there was no weapons, the, you know, civilians, they were just protesting peacefully. There was no weapons, no hostility, and they just started shooting and they shot into a bunch of people and they killed four and they injured, I don't know how many, but, you know, I think over 10 and uh, it was just a whole, you know, National Guard that somehow got misled to shoot at students that were unarmed. And mm-hmm. it was, you know, kind of a tragedy. Um, and so it's very famous in a way that's like, we should never let this happen again yeah. <laughs> um, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Neil Young wrote a very famous song about it. I think it's called Four, Four Dead in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Aside from that, can you describe what's happened since you arrived in 2016? It's been five, six years now, five and a half years or so. Yeah, five and a half years. Um, so it's been a lot of different things. It's It almost doesn't feel like uh, I had, you know, this is kind of my home now. Um, I don't even remember as much, you know, beforehand. I mean, I do, but kind of starting out, it was just me and my roommate, and then we had another person that became a Christian, you know, that was a kingdom kid that was already going there the year beforehand, but she had just become a Christian. She was from California. And so we had her on Kent State's campus. It was us three. And then there was another one at University of Akron um, that was going there also for a year prior. And um, so, yeah, but it was mainly me and my roommate as the guys and then the two other girls. And then There was about, I think, uh, 30 plus people in the start, maybe 40. So it was a pretty big church planning. Um, I don't know if I'm including, you know, kids and everything. I'm trying to think of just the people that were there, maybe in the upper 30s and maybe, you know, uh, early 40s for how many people. But uh, yeah, so we came up and um, it was kind of just us. There was no real campus leader. Rob would help try and lead, you know, um, us as much as he could or invite us over, you know, X, Y, and Z, but there was no one, you know, coming on campus, like that was our campus minister, but we did have a lot of help from the, you know, the young singles and the, you know, whoever was there, they would come reach out a lot of time and help set up Bible talks. So it wasn't like we were just stranded, you know? Um, so we had a lot of help and that's how some sisters got baptized in the first year. You know, a couple sisters got baptized. We helped baptize a guy. He isn't uh, longer faithful, but he he was a part of our ministry for a few years. We helped baptize him. Um, the, it was all the ministries in Pennsylvania came one weekend to do their uh, 
retreat at Kent State in Akron and just they just reached out the whole weekend, which I thought was phenomenal. We really needed that. And so we, I met the first guy we ever baptized there. And um, so, yeah, that's kind of how it all started. And we just moved from there. Um, it was a very challenging time in my life. Uh, my dad had just gotten remarried and moved to London. And um, he was the closest person I was that I was to in my life. And so he was just getting remarried. So I didn't see him for almost two years because um, of his visas and everything. Um, kind of being all messed up after he got married and moved there. But yeah, it was just, it was a hard time, but it was a very, I think, pruning time and a very time where those first couple of years were just very challenging. I was kind of figuring out a lot of things in my faith. I was had a lot of doubts, had to go through a lot of, you know, things and it was just, it was just challenging, you know, a lot of challenges with just some of the people in the church, not feeling as connected. And I think God used all that to really help me to just want him and to see that it's not about people X, Y, or Z, but you just really got to be the one to, you know, make it all about him and then all, everything will flow from that. And so mm -hmm. I kind of, he kind of humbled me in a lot of ways the first couple of years. And um, so the growth was, you know, it was good. It was pretty steady for a couple of years, you know, we get a pe couple people here and there. Um, and it was just good. And then we got a campus intern for a year, my second year, and that was really helpful for us. Um, I, I thought about leadership at times, but it was just kind of like, I was just so, you know, I was very shy. I was very like, you know, I led in the teens at times. I led many Bible talks and lessons, but, um, you know, I wasn't thinking, oh, let me just lead a ministry right now. Um, so we had people helping us, but it was, uh, yeah, it kind of just went from there and, you know, he's kept doing our thing and um, kind of just the years went by and more people became disciples. And then um, the guy that was our intern, he got married, so he had to move. Um, so it was kind of just us. And then they had this idea, well, let's make you guys interns, some of you guys interns. And then one week these people will lead and then the other week you'll lead. And so that kind of happened for a year. And then it was like, uh, maybe we should just go to one group of people so then I eventually started leading uh for so that's been for about the past three years I was leading so I started leading like my senior year and um that's just how I have been up to this point so but yeah there was some tough times and you know I guess right into COVID um we knew we were studying the Bible with a good amount of people and just had a lot of connections so right when everything kind of shut down we had all these connections already so the baptisms kind of just came from all that, like some of these connections. And then once start, things start opening up more, we are those people, new people. And we kind of just, you know, came from that. And uh, some of the people that we baptized, they had siblings that wanted to become Christians and all sorts of things like that. So they baptized a couple of their siblings, you know, and it was it was just kind of a chain of events. Um, so yeah, it kind of grew and then just it was just amazing unity that we had around those, those couple of years, we'd be together all the time. We, you know, just spend time all the time in the library. We'd be there till midnight studying with all of each other, just on the, all the finals. And we, it was just a, it was really a family, you know, we all knew each other. We kind of got sick of each other at times, you know, cause we were just around each other so much. And we really were focused on the mission together too. We'd always be reaching out. We'd always be really, you know, trying to get that emphasis. You know, I'd be reaching out to my classes. I'd be seeing what I could do. I'd be like, can I speak to the whole class? Can I do this? Can I, who can I share with, you know? So that's, those are kind of some of the things um, just kind of leading up 
And uh, what, what was the question again? <laughs> well, just, you know, the growth of the, the ministry, the baptisms. How, so it just started with two people, two students, you and your, your buddy. Mm-hmm. And then there was a, 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 a person who was there the prior year. How big is the ministry now? How big is the, the campus ministry and then the, the church overall? Yeah, I think, uh, I think we have about 11 in our campus ministry now. Um, and, uh, church overall, I think we're in the upper sixties. So I think, uh, mid sixties to upper sixties, if I had to, yeah, that's what I think it is right now. So definitely has grown. And just in this past year, we just had three guys get baptized. And then, you know, during 2020, we had a couple guys get baptized, some fall aways, but we, it's just been consistent and then you know just a lot of connections are made through those baptisms and um yeah we we've had i mean i could tell stories about all these these guys that i've been baptizing like one guy i baptized we've done almost eight or nine studies with people he's known you know we've studied the bible with his mom with all of his friends he's like i want all of them to get baptized this year he's got like 14 people he wants to you know really know god he's from cleveland and so he drives all the time to get here 40 minutes away um, just to be with the body. And it's like, I didn't even tell him that he just does this, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just like, we're doing a Bible study and we won't, we got pretty far with one of his friends. He just goes to a different university. It's kind of far. Um, so yeah, but he studies the Bible with his mom. He does all these things and there's him. And then another guy we just baptized that, reaches out he's got his fraternity he was in so he's been reaching out to all the guys in his fraternity he's we've already done a bible study he's already started leading some i'm trying to get him to and just all these guys that we've been meeting and just really are fired up and just have a zeal and a really desire to make the you know the lost really you know know god you know help the lost know god one thing i thought was interesting is it, it from what you had told me there's been a lot of guys converted you've converted a lot of men Mm-hmm. How do you do that? What's what's helped you to grow your ministry and, and convert guys in particular? Yeah, um, you know, I, I guess some of them said it, and they were they're just like, yeah, it just felt really genuine. You know, when we came around, everyone just really seemed to, there just was a good atmosphere, and they just felt like they knew people cared about them, and so that's always kind of what I've just gone by. It's just really treating every person like they're the most important, you know, I really just kind of go after that. Whenever I meet someone, I really just try and make a connection with them and treat them just like you have all my time right now. You know, I'm, I'm just going to make you <clears throat> valued and try to invite you to my home, invite you for, you know, share a meal with you, cook for you, whatever, you know, and they just felt like, man, this means I'm a part of this family now, you know? And so they felt that as they would study the Bible or as they'd come around or, you know, even just my roommates we'd have that would be non-Christians, they'd see it and they would want to become Christians because of it, you know, and um, it's just kind of, that was some of it. And then, you know, I'd go to the gym a lot and I just try and build relationships with the people I play basketball with and just do that over time and really, um, you know, just try and have genuine conversations with them, but also just really get to know them um, and really just share with them how God's changed me, you know, and just, not trying to do it in a way where it's just like they feel like it's just another religious thing, but just really helping them to see the power of God. And then I think just inviting people in, just telling people to come and see. Um, 
those, those are some of the big things. And I think when people see the integrity or they see the, just the genuineness, I think that's really what people are looking for. And um, that's really what I try to emulate. I, I really um, just try and be my self as much as I can to people. I know I'm probably not perfect at it, but that seems to be what people are really looking for these days is someone that is honest with their faith. And even if they, they struggle to be honest with those things, you know, not to be someone that acts like you have it all together, uh, but to really share those things. And then they feel they can be more real and vulnerable with you. Okay. So you, you reach out to people through, through your interests, basketball, you mm-hmm. also do cold contact, making announcements mm-hmm. and just trying to look for opportunities. So you kind of have a, a both and strategy, like I'm going to just try a little bit of everything. Yeah, that's, that's kind of how I go with it is just, I'll reach out to people as I go to the coffee shop. Um, I just started studying with this guy. I felt the spirit just telling me to reach out to him and I did. And he's, he's awesome. We just started studying a couple of weeks ago and um, he really wants it and he really wants to know. And I, I just kind of, as I go here and there, I'll be at a coffee shop or I'll be just walking somewhere and, you know, I'll just be on campus and then tell, tell me my classes as what, well. What will you say? Tell me what, how you start a conversation with somebody, how this guy in the coffee shop, what'd you say? Oh, I just, I mean, it's nothing crazy. I just kind of come up to him and be, um, I'll just be like, Hey, uh, I don't know if, something you know depends on kind of the vibe or you know if someone's chilling or if they're looking there in a rush but i'll just be like hey uh i don't know if that's something that would interest you guys but i'm part of a you know a bible study or something you know on campus and i you know really just kind of help people learn more about faith and god and uh kind of just to break the ice let's be like what do you guys what do you guys think about that like or what do you think about you know jesus do you have a faith in him do you know what it means to follow him kind of just you know a general question about that right. and then see what they say um so something kind of something fairly direct just asking good questions yeah um and sometimes depending on where it is you know if i'm at a gym i might be a little bit more like just getting to know them first right. uh you know if i'm approaching someone they're kind of like what's what's your <laughs> you know what are you talking to me about right um so i usually get more to the point just so they're not feeling like what what is this you know um but uh yeah so just depending on the the environment i think i just kind of changed how i'll speak to people but yeah i I guess when i'm approaching people it's usually a little more direct i'll introduce myself or um you know a lot of times these days all the kids are wearing airpods now so i have to really like wave my hand in their face you know they can't hear me they can't (laughs) they got hoods on and it's really cold out here so everyone's you know, wearing a lot of layers and it's hard to see. So I really kind of have to almost jump in their pathway. Right. <laughs> so, um, it is, yeah. Kent, is Kent state a public school or is it private? It, it's public. Yeah. It's public. It's, you know, yeah. Okay. So it's a part of the Ohio state system or mm-hmm. university of Ohio at Kent state or Kent uh, state university. Yeah, it's a state university. Yeah, state university. Okay, got it. Now, what what really impresses me, Jacob, is that you're a student leader, and during a pandemic, and you're growing your ministry. How do you balance it? Oh man, <laughs> I mean, just what what's it's, that? What's that like? I mean, yeah. Okay, you're a kingdom kid. You're a student. You could you could just like. Just sit back and go, hey, Rob, send someone on campus. 
I'm just going to go to school and, you know, I'll do a little bit of sharing here and there, but you've really sunk your teeth into this campus ministry. Yeah. Uh, what, tell, talk, talk to me about that. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, kind of over the years, I didn't have as much passion for it, but I did a couple internships. I did one in Lexington. Uh, shout out to Greg Campbell. He really helped me develop my faith um, and really helped me develop my leadership skills and just, just my heart for the loss too. Um, some internships there, one in Louisville as well. Um, and it was just, those really helped me to kind of see like, if I'm not going to do this, no one else is. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, and it wasn't even just a, Oh, I guess I have to, but at some points it was, but God really helped me to just now really have a heart. Like maybe at first it was like, okay, I got to do this. And, um, at times it was very hard, especially during the, the peak of COVID. It was probably the hardest time, you know, when no one wanted to go on Zoom and everyone's just like, you know, Zoomed out and no one wants to do anything. And I'm the one that's supposed to bring everyone together. Um, and there's all these other problems going on and just a lot of things clashing together. And I've got to do school and finish my program and do all these things. So I, I could get overwhelmed easy, but I, I think I really just had to rely on God. And, um, what really helped me was just this focus of John on John 15 and more scriptures than just this one, but this idea of really staying rooted in the vine, um, because it's very simple in that scripture. You just see, he says, if you remain in me and I, in you, you will bear much fruit. You know, it'll show you to be my disciples This to my father's glory. And as I kind of did that, just fell more in love with Jesus and with, you know, God and just saw the spirit work. I was just like, I can't hold back on this. I just got to really let him do what he's got to do. And I, at times I myself would get in the way and I'd really just have to just, just cry out to God and really just let him prune me and just work through me and really just humble me. Mm. And it was hard. Um, it was hard because I felt alone in a lot of it. Um, I felt like I was by myself. I didn't really know many other leaders. Um, and having, you know, some other problems and, you know, lead co-leading and just some other stuff, but it was just, it's just, I, I could feel um, alone, even though I wasn't, um, but I didn't know many other <laughs> people and I didn't have any much connection. So it was kind of just like, it was tough at times, but I think God really helped me mm -hmm. to lean on him during that time. And that's that John 15 scripture really just, that was what really guided me just this idea of remaining in Christ that's so interesting. You brought that up before, and I was really impacted because I had just read John 15 the day that I called you to talk mm -hmm. about this conversation. What what does it mean to you? So what you're saying is just focus on remaining in Jesus, and then bearing fruit is kind of a, a function of, of remaining. But yeah. what what does it mean to you to remain in Jesus? Like what? Yeah. How do you interpret that? Yeah. Um, I can share some of that. Yeah. As, uh, I think for me, um, it's always been a little bit easier for me to connect with God's love. Um, sometimes harder, but like, um, just the way my dad really loved me, um, just how he really poured his whole heart out for me and how he went through so much, just being a single father for like most of my life and just really having to fight for our faith, you know, to help us. And, um, just seeing God's love was always easy to look at because I could just look at how my dad 
you know, treated me. And so I think about just remaining in that love. Every time I was remained, I would remain in just knowing I'm his son, knowing I'm loved and knowing I was cared for and my value, my identity was in that. That would be the times I would really want to just go all in. When I just saw the cross and saw the power of it and saw just that sacrifice, because we can, we can, we've heard it so many times, it can lose its power. You know, we say that all the time about stuff, but when you see it in other stuff, someone sacrificing their lives for someone else, you, you are like, wow, look at what they did. But like, you know, really it put, put in perspective for me how he gave so much and that remaining in him, it was really kind of, I just had to do it all the time. <laughs> like I just have to be praying a lot more than I used to. And to get it on my knees, really just, it just happened to go just cry out to him. Like I would just be having to, uh, it was a lot of stuff, but I, it just, it wasn't just like I could just get by just praying little casual prayers. I had to really pour my heart out and really just look at the scriptures and see, you know, through David, through many other people and just what it looks like to pour your heart out to God, you know, and to really connect with him. And I think that really helped me. I'm currently reading a book called Guilty Soul's Guide to Grace, which is phenomenal uh, by Sam Lang. And that really reemphasized that idea of praying the Psalms. Um, and that really helps me to connect with God, to pray these Psalms or to even create my own kind of Psalms as I, I pray to really guide me. Um, that can be some of the things. And I love to play music as well. That's a big one that connects me as I learned how to play the ukulele over quarantine <clears throat> and um, just kind of playing worship songs. That would be something that would really, I think we've lost you know, a lot of our power in worship, just singing to God, seeing how important that was to David and to, you know, other people in our quiet times I have at times. And that's a big thing because just there's something about singing to God that really connects us, especially when we're vulnerable with it, when we really, you know, get to do that. Um, so those are some of the big ones. And then another one is I usually needed to get time to be away. I just started doing recently is really taking retreats and journeys just on my, by myself um, to go into a campsite or the woods and just spend days just praying, um, just being with God, singing to him, you know, you know, uh, pleading with him to change my heart, to transform my mind, to help other people become Christians, really not relying so much on what I can do, but on what God can do through me um, and through prayer, really just seeing like Elijah, when I just read this, actually, when he prayed three and a half years, it didn't rain because he was trying to show the power of God over the God of Baal um, from back, you know, in the time of, uh, you know, the Old Testament and God just delivered it because it was his will to be glorified. And I see that that's his will to just make more disciples right now. That's his will is to see that. So if we really, you know, pray and just let God, he wants this to happen. He wants multiplication. He wants these things to happen. I think we just got to get on his page. He's, he's waiting on us. <laughs> that's what I was kind of seeing. It's not the COVID. It's not this or that. He's waiting on us to really, become faithful again. It's not about, I guess, all these certain techniques and tips and tricks I could tell you. I mean, those are helpful and things. But I think really getting a heart again and faith for the loss through prayer. I mean, and just admitting and being honest when we're not, because I've had to do that so many times, just being like, 
God, I'm just not really loving these people. I'm just having a hard time. And uh, I think just that has been something I've had to learn is just to be vulnerable, honest, and just personal as much as you can with God. And I, you know, that's really what's helped me. Um, And if I don't get that, I need almost a couple hours every day just to really get that full time where I feel like I'm rushing it because it's, there's so much to unpack (laughs) every day. Right. Um, Yeah. So prayer, praying the Psalms, Mm -hmm. praying uh, through music, playing worship Mm -hmm. music, Mm -hmm. the ukulele, you go out on uh, solo retreats. Those are all great, great practicals. Being with God, spending extra time with God, even up to a couple hours with God, Mm -hmm. if not more. Um, It's pretty impressive that you're doing that as a grad student. What what are you studying and what was your undergrad? Um, Yeah, I'm studying uh, counseling right now, specifically clinical mental health counseling. And um, yeah, I'm about a year and a half in. So I'm set to graduate in around next August. Um, this yeah, coming August, doing, this year? Not this year. It'd be next. Oh, yeah, next year of August, so okay. 2023. And what was your undergraduate degree in? It was psychology. Um, I did nursing for a little bit, but then I realized I should no one to switch. Got it. If you found out someone dropped $10 million into your bank account tomorrow... And you never had to worry about money. Mm. What what would you do with the rest of your life? Yeah, and I didn't even mention this about spiritual books, but I love reading spiritual books. That's another one that uh, I would add on my list is just really going after finding some great ones because you know they give some great perspectives and they help me to kind of break through some of the. If I get in a monotony and reading my Bible, or I'm just kind of reading it like. Sometimes hearing someone kind of be, you know, be, wake me up, be like, oh, you're just kind of reading this. Um, that that helps me to really kind of put, see things I haven't seen before. Um, but the reason I say that for this question is because if I was, if I could do whatever I want, I think I would definitely do counseling. I've been realizing I love it as I just started kind of seeing real clients. Um, I really have a heart to want to help people that have been caught in sex trafficking, um, that the sexual abuse that kind of comes from that seeing how big of a problem it is around the world and just how the, where do those women do when they come out of that? Like, how do they, you know, feel belong, you know, feel like they belong or come back to regular society. They need a lot of help. Um, and they can just feel like unwanted. That's one of the big ones that I would really want to have some kind of ministry in. And then also just, really helping out all around the world. I'd, I'd love to, you know, help the poor wherever and really preach the gospel wherever I could go. Um, I really see God kind of continuing to help mold me, you know, if it's his will to continue in ministry and leading. And I just, I love it so much. I, as I see this ministry growing, as I see it really becoming their own and these guys, it's just like, this is the best, you know, really, being in a place where growth is expected and growth is happening and people love God and really just love to see the church grow. It's that's what it was always meant to be. Mm -hmm. And that's really where I want to be just anywhere where that's happening. And I get to do that and I get to counsel people and, you know, just be a light. Um, And uh, I really do want to be an author someday. I'm thinking of, 
you know, potentially, I, I don't know what it'd be about, but I love reading and I love storytelling. Um, so I don't know what it would be about, but uh, I, uh, I do want to write if I had some time. So yeah, that's kind of some of the things. That sounds great. Go overseas, become mm-hmm. a counselor in helping uh, women come out of the sex trade and then mm-hmm. maybe being an author. Those sound like awesome things. What, mm-hmm. Tell me what you've learned from Rob Cochran, who leads your church. Oh yeah, he's he's taught me a lot of a lot of good things. Um, he really cut through a lot of my like kind of like I don't know how to say it, but like spiritual like facades and stuff. Like he really just you know he doesn't he, he really helps to cut through sentimentality. You know, if and um, he can be known for being like, but like more, you know, seriousness, like clear cut, but like, honestly, that helped me. Cause I could just be so like ambiguous, a lot of things in the scriptures or like when trying to lead and when trying to help people, like, and he really just helped me to just be like, no, this is what you need to do. I was like, all right, I, that's, that's going to be hard. Um, but he just kind of, <laughs> and he really helped do it in not a way that was condemning to me or made me feel like, you know, whatever he, he always was just so gentle, you know, he was always so really just believing in me and really helping me to see that this is your ministry. He was like, this is what you're going to make it, mm-hmm. you know, and really believe that God can do anything. Oh, he always had a focus on prayer as well. We did a whole series on it at one point and we're about to do one this year again as well. So he always really helped me to just see that it's all about simple faith. He's like, you can have the best singers, you can have the blah, 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 you know, you can have all this, but if you, don't have that simple faith, then what do you really have? You right. know, it's not about having all the cosmetics, but just about real genuine faith that changes the world. And that mm-hmm. that's what people really want. You know, some other people really want like all that, but they don't really want God. Mm-hmm. You know, they, what you really need to just have is that simple, genuine faith that just is like, I'll see a mountain moved if I really believe it. And that's what I, he really kind of instilled in me. Mm-hmm. It's just like to share your faith every day, confess, you know, be open, really stay in the light and God will move. I was like, all right, you know, um, so that's uh, some of the things he taught me, you know, just how to be more direct, but also gentle while doing it, you know, because I always had a problem with just being very indirect, being uncomfortable with confrontation. And he really helped me with that. Um, I mean, it's still something I have to grow in, but he really helped me with a lot of those things. Jacob, if you were to walk into a different situation, different campus, start all, start all over again with just a few mm-hmm. people, or if someone came up to you and asked, hey, what, what would you do if you're in my situation? Say, starting a campus ministry or reviving a campus ministry. Mm-hmm. What would be the first three things you, you'd do? What would you focus on? Man, I think the main focus would just be prayer. As simple as that sounds, um, we're even going over in a book right now, a leadership principle book where he, the first thing he said was to pray and everyone's like, okay, yeah, we know to do that. But like, he's like, well, then why are so few of us doing it? You know, why are so few of us really relying on this? It's, and he kind of got at this one idea. I mean, it can be many for different people, but of skepticism that we really don't know if we believe that God is really going to do what we ask. You know, that if do we really believe, hey, God, if I pray for 10 baptisms this year, if we go all out that you can do that, you know, depending on the size of your church, 
like and really faithfully just running with him on that. I think um, really setting everyone's expectations and helping everyone in that small ministry planning really get a solid grasp first on prayer to really not be on, uh, you know, whatever it may be, just like, all right, we just got to do a lot of stuff, really, you know, we're really setting that mindset on prayer and reliance on God. And, and then I think also just um, helping people to really build that compassion. And that obviously happens through prayer, but I think really helping people to own that ministry, really helping people to think, oh, you're not just whatever. This is the most, you're not here just for school. You're here to make disciples. You're here on this planet to make disciples and to change the world and really, I guess, shaping that culture in that way. Um, to really right off the bat, don't let people just get comfortable and to do whatever, really start being like, no, you need to set that foundation first or people are just going to do what, you know, get into what their groove and routine, be like, oh, you know, this isn't as important. Or, oh, he's just saying something. You know, you need to let make sure people are on that same page when they're coming and really help them to get that same vision and make sure and really disciple people's hearts and be like, are you really like, you know, and just, you know, be honest with each other, even if you're not there either, you know, really helping God or letting God help you to all be on that same you got the same mission. You're everyone's number one goal is to love God first, of course, but then really change the world by loving people. Um, as simple as it sounds, that's really what Jesus wanted us to do first. Um, that's right. And then I think that, of course, of love of a focus on God, but I think really, really being okay. What I'm trying to do now is really being okay with being around people in the world, not in a sense that I'm trying to surround myself all the time with them, but in a way where you get to impact them really because i just i've been seeing it and we've been talking about it in our leadership that just a lot of the churches around the world are just only hang out with disciples and if we only do that we're not going to make any more disciples <laughs> you know um we, we really have to start inviting these people into our lives you know inviting the people we're studying the bible with to hang out with us inviting them to do this and that you know, inviting, even if they're not studying the Bible, just be like, hey, you want to just come over to my place for just really having this mindset of just immersing ourselves, you know, in all these little hobbies or clubs or, you know, whatever they be. your class is not just seeing it as a place you go to talk to people for five seconds and then leave. But really, that's what I would do over the years. I would just pick a couple people in my classes and I would just start talking to them, build a relationship over the semester, reach out to them. You know, and I start seeing those people everywhere I go, like I'll run into them here at the coffee shop, but one person's working there, there and I have all these disconnections because I just like where I was at, I would just try and see the people, you know, and so I think just not thinking it has to be all cold contact, but really just, you know, making it about friendships with people, you know, and that's what people remember. That's awesome. It surprised me that you went to the Climb Small Church Leadership Conference. You're a student. Mm -hmm. You brought some mm -hmm. friends with you, is what I is yeah. what I understood. You brought brought a couple friends. Yeah. You're not a church leader. You're you're not in the professional ministry. Why'd you go? And what mm -hmm. you what'd you take away from that leadership conference? Yeah, um, I went just because I I heard about it. I think in one of the the campus ministers group me. And um, I just was like, man, I have to go. I mean, because I my ministry was starting to grow. I was really starting to see God do something amazing, just growth wise and just 
as a whole. And I was like, man, I need to start making, I need to make connections, but I also just want to make sure I'm equipped. I really just wanted to get equipped. And um, I really wanted my people that I saw to starting raise up become leaders to be the same way. Um, I mean, I didn't know fully what it was, you know, so I mean, it was mainly for the people in the ministry, but I was just, I saw everything that was going to be all the testimonies, people from previous ones, and it just sounded amazing. And I was like, this sounds like, because I have future interest in ministry. So I was like, man, I, if I want to go anywhere, I could probably learn more here in a couple of days than I learned in years, you know? So I was just wanted to go and I got funded, you know, people from uh, our church or um, they gave some of their money or at least Rob gave up some of his money so that I could go because he wasn't able to. And then other people in other churches funded for more people to go because they wanted the uh, young leaders to be raised up. So it kind of just all came together and I had a lot of work to do actually, <laughs> uh, schoolwork while I was there. So I was trying to do some stuff while I was there and it just didn't, it wasn't working out too well. But I, when I got back, I had a lot to catch up on, but it was worth it. And um, some of the things I got out of it was just to really be anchored and to really learn how to rest and to find this rhythm between, you know, going all out in ministry and really resting and not thinking being guilty to rest or to take time off and to do that. That was one of the biggest things. Cause that's the one thing that's been burning me out at time is just not because it's harder for me because I don't get a Monday off. You know, it's, I, I have, I'm doing stuff all the time. I've got classes, I've got these things, we've got Bible talks and you know, all that. So it's harder for me to find a day off because everyone wants to do everything on the weekend. And um, so I'm really trying to learn how to do that. And that conference really, I think, sealed the deal for me. You, if you don't do this, do this in some sense, you're going to really burn out quick. Mm, that's um, awesome. And so that was a big one. And then there's many other things just good about mental health and staying anchored. And just a lot of the connections I made were phenomenal. Um, I mean, I have the notebook somewhere over here from the conference, but yeah, it was it was great. I really just, uh, and I think it was awesome for the people I brought to, they really got to see a whole new world. Mm. Um, <laughs> they probably felt like, uh, you know, a little out of place, but it was, I think it was really a good growing experience for, for all of us. I and mean, it really brought bonded us together too. Yeah. Um, while being there. Yeah. What does it mean to you to live a no regrets life? Mm. Yeah, I think, for me, I mean, after that senior year of high school, that's kind of what I knew I always wanted to live because I felt like I was living a mediocre Christianity. And um, and from there and from other conferences, I, I knew I just wanted to live an extraordinary life. I wanted to live a life that was as much as God could really do. You know, really, I'm like, God, if you say you can do this, I, I, I want to take you at your word. And um, I think just that's what he's really been showing me this past year is just living no regrets, sharing your faith, wherever you go, not letting fear take over and just being like, so what, just let me do it, you know? Um, and it sounds kind of like, I never thought I would be at that place because fear dominated a lot of me for a long time. And God's really, I think having no fear, I think obviously it's going to come in at times and places and it's going to, we're going to get scared, but really not letting that control us. I think because when we let fear, I've just been thinking about this so much. When we let the fear, it's just God can't use us. He can't use us. He can't do what he really wants to do. And I let that go for a while. And 
I just was like, man, I, I just got a, no regrets. I don't want to say at the end, you know, I didn't get my, you know, counseling degree because it was going to be too hard or too much work, but what would have, could have God done with that, you know, and what will he do? Because I am getting it. And uh, what, you know, uh, I just want to move somewhere else and just kind of start chilling and get a job, you know, but it's like, well, then all these people wouldn't have become disciples, you know, that I, um, you know, wouldn't have stayed around for, you know, so it's like, I know regrets was just like, I'm going to go all out while I have this time. And while I'm in this position that I'm in now and for the rest of my life, because it, I just don't want to live comfortable anymore because it's just not satisfying. Mm-hmm. And that no regrets, I just think it's just going all out every day. Obviously we're going to have hard and tough days, but just really, you know, asking God to show us what that looks like, seeing it in the scriptures and not looking at it with fear, but looking at it with excitement and adventure, mm-hmm. you know, knowing that it's going to be a, a whole, you know, thing that's just going to be awesome. That's so, right. Jacob, thanks so much for coming on the program today. Oh yeah, no, for sure. And for coming to the Climb Conference. It was great to meet you and great to talk mm-hmm. to you more. And I'm so impressed with your faith, your determination, the motivation that drives you to serve mm-hmm. God as a student. And I know God's going to use you powerfully in increasing measure as you get older. So all the best to mm-hmm. you. Thanks, Rob. Thank you so much for joining the Rob Skinner podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, please hit the subscribe button and let your friends know about it and how to find it. Because my goal is to inspire you to make this life count, live a no regrets life and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day and make this life count.